it's such a low bar for to be a considered a feminist in terms mm. of um um women's tennis because and also to show that um female faces in high places isn't enough yeah. you can't rely on that because what, Andy Murray uh, yeah sorry ahead. I was just going to say what's sad is tennis is actually one of the better sports for having a more equal quote-unquote platform for women and men compared to a, a whole bunch of other sports um like football for example um I mean I don't I don't really follow football because it doesn't interest me but it might interest me more if the women were given more of a platform. I don't know. But I just feel like in terms of the sporting world in general, women are featured much more and yet there's still this massive gap in terms of equality in so many different ways. And that was all I wanted to say at that point. Yeah, it's... um. So, like... You can... There are characters. It's the character of these players that matter. If you think, oh, it's just about skill, you can go, well, oh, the the men tend to be faster and stronger, so there's only any point in watching them. But you find like characters like Megan Rapinoe in um, American football. She's yes. a fucking She's firecracker. Yes, and. Just you need to just go and you find people like that, and then you platform them, and then that raises all of it, and then suddenly everyone's everyone's going to be interested. That's that's the way that you that's the way you do. So um, in the American, the American men and women's football teams have just won equal pay, mm. so they get they get paid the same. So that's that's awesome. Um, in terms of female faces in high places i didn't come up with that that's some that's someone else's thing i just think it, it's, mm-hmm. it really applies um amelie moresmo you said that she was the tournament director of the french open she was the year this year yes what was it she said about female i think she players? said oh, let me try and remember she said it was like no one wants to watch women's tennis something like she had a particular word that she used but it wasn't she basically said it wasn't as entertaining but i want to find the exact word so bear with me while i do it was boring uh less it was less dynamic or something let me see oh yeah 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 i did write it down in our in our whatsapp so Feel free. I'm going to actually also send you a link to a particular character in the women's tennis game who I love, uh, Yelena Ostapenko, who lost earlier uh, in the week. And uh, this little gift was her reaction to losing. Um, but if you can share that on the pod, do feel free while I find what Marisma said. Yes, I should be able to do that. Cool. Uh, uh, step. We this bit out. <laughs> yeah, feel free. There she was. She was. Oh yeah, she fucked mm. the chair up. <laughs> yeah, she chucked her bottle so hard that it made the chair fall over. You have to throw a bottle pretty hard to do that. I mean, you could argue that's also quite violent. 
I don't know, but I found it hilarious. Again, I don't know whether that's because she's a woman that I found it hilarious, but it's also pretty violent. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yes. Um... But... I think I, I read an article about that mm. um, where, what did it say? Um, it was, this is uh, so fucking telling about, about it. Um, one of the Daily Mail articles says, Tatiana Marie is the oldest player still going for glory at Wimbledon just a year after the 34-year-old was on maternity leave. Um and she did this by beating Yelena Ostapenko. Yeah. Now, the the line caught me in this, where she said, so it says, oh, is her mum doing it? Mum um, in Wimbledon. And what did she say? It was the most egregious thing I've ever read. Mm. Um, at, so this is one part. At 10.30am, it was mum's turn. By 3.30 p.m., the world number 103 was in a Grand Slam final. Um, <sighs> brace yourself. So it turns out an aging mother might be the story of these championships after all. Aging mother, really? <laughs> a 35-year-old woman described <laughs> as an aging mother completely defined by... Her role she's as a mother, mother. yeah. I mean, yes, it's, it is good that she's doing that, that she has her nine-year-old daughter and her, I don't know how many months old, other daughter with her, and her husband is her coach um, also, which must So, yeah, you've got Tatiana Maria, who has her nine-year-old daughter with her and her, I don't know how many months old, other daughter with her and her husband, who's also her coach. Uh, which must be an interesting relationship. Um, but to define her solely as a mother rather than a tennis player who happens to be a mother um, is just saying everything, really. Um, and ageing as well, and she's only 34, 35. Yeah. yeah that absolutely great. gobsmacked me. I mean, in tennis, it's quite old. It's getting towards retirement age. <laughs> um, but then... Again, you look at like Venus and Serena, who are like nearly forty or or, or forty, even older than forty now, um, and they're still playing. So, but anyway, I found Amelie Ramirez's quote as newly, uh, well, she was the new tournament director for the French Open this year, and she was asked about the really interesting scheduling for the women's and men's matches, where 18 out of 20 matches to start the day on the smaller show courts were women's matches, which is typically a quieter time, as I may have already mentioned, before everyone comes in to watch. Um, so uh, Catherine Whitaker of Tennis Podcast actually asked her about it and said, why can't it be 50-50 split? And Marisma replied saying, it's because women's tennis is not as appealing. And this is from a, a lady who used to be a, a professional tennis player and used to coach Andy Murray um, and broke ground doing that. Um, for The media were certainly surprised taking, taking it as a massive 
think that suddenly a male tennis player had a female coach. Shock horror. Um, and then she goes and says this. And I think I, she did apologize for it later and tried to establish what she was actually trying to say. But I think she was probably under a lot of pressure from other senior people within the tournament who happened to be men and saying, Oh, this is how this, this schedule's always been. You're going to keep doing it this way until you settle into the role or whatever else. And I think she was probably under a lot of pressure to keep things nice and steady and as they've always been. That's my read on it. But yeah, I just yeah, feel like I there's mean, more at play there for her to say. I that. feel like um, that comes back to a bit. So you say she, she was Andy Murray's coach, and Andy Murray sure. is heralded as like the arch feminist ally yeah. of tennis because once he said, um, oh, what do you think about Thingy being the most Grand Slams? And she said, well, actually, Serena Williams has the most Grand Slams. Yeah. So he stated a fact and everyone lost their mind. Thinking, oh, he's the biggest feminist ever. But that's a very small thing. I don't know anything about his I mean, he does, or... he does do. He does speak out a lot on these types of issues, generally more than mm-hmm. other, or at least, I mean, I don't know. I'm talking about it from the point of view as a British person with British media sent into my herbals pretty much every day um so there is it when he says things and speaks out that they're going to be put out and highlighted but i don't know whether other male players also do that but i'm just not reading about it but it certainly seems like andy is outspoken on these types of issues more than other players mm. which is a good thing uh, goes, yeah and it does it again it just goes goes to show that you can't assume anything because no. uh, Maresmo, you go, oh, she coached him, so that must mean that she's uh, prioritising like, when really, will we do yeah. a different job? But, um, again, it comes down to institutional culture and pressure. Very much. And, um, I think that I've was started, very much at play. Yeah. I've just started reading a book about the Stanford prison experiment. Um, have you heard of that experiment? No, I haven't. It's like the um, the the ultimate example of um, how situations change change people and can make them do unspeakable things. So they had ten. Uh, you might recognise it. it. Had ten twenty um, volunteers. Ten were assigned as prison guards, oh, yeah. and then the other no, ten yes. prisoners. And that that situation turned the prison guards into absolute monsters. And it's, he argues that the situation, so Maresmo, it's not a hundred percent her like responsibility, the way she thinks about that and the way that she's, she planned everything because you are right. That situation, the culture, the institutional culture um, can mould people to do things they wouldn't normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why you, um, it's it's so important to to be. It's important that someone asked her that question because otherwise yes. you wouldn't know that that's what she was thinking. Yes, very much. Well done, Catherine. <laughs> um, I think. 
the last thing to talk about that I've that I've got written is mm-hmm. um, the sexualization of female tennis players. Yes. And it's always been like Maria Sharapova yes. and um, Anna Kornikova and just putting these women up on pedestals and making their physical appearance be they're the most famous ones. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you probably know about the famous tennis poster with the, with the yeah. bum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone knows that one. I mean, that's kind of sums it up really. Um, obviously women are more sexualized. There are like, because of the way they have to dress the tennis clothes that they wear, the way that they look after the spare tennis balls by like shoving them up their skirt all the time. Uh, I don't understand how that's comfortable to play, but uh, I don't know. And then obviously you do get some women wearing shorts, but they're a rarity, definitely. Um, but even then they're very tight-fitting short shorts. So, uh, yeah, I think certainly the tennis fashion has a lot to do with it. Also the media around tennis, even people commentating on matches, They'll focus in on a women's match and they'll say about the woman, the winner, and she sums it up with a lovely smile. They always talk about mm. women's smiles, and uh, it gets really irritating because you wouldn't look at a men's match and say, "And he's got the best smile." I mean, obviously, some male tennis players are also sexualized. Take Matteo Berrettini, for example. Uh, the Italian player who got to the final last year, a lot of talk was around how attractive he was rather than the tennis he was playing. To be fair, I sat not very far away from him. He was very attractive. <laughs> but that's besides the point. Uh, I found myself looking at him more than the actual match. But again, <laughs> I had feminist, but... Um, I'm feminist, but yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, I know. But like, I mean, humans are attractive, some humans more than others, which is also fine. But to talk about women in general by the way they look, I mean, the obvious egregious example was someone I hate, John John Inverdale, when he used to present the French Open, saying of Marion Bartoli, who was an active player at the time, she's no looker, but she plays a good game. Uh, which has stuck with me for many years since. And there's always been a, a uh, awkward thing when Marion later joined the presenting team uh, and had to work alongside John Infidel, uh, which must have been fun for her. Um, but yeah, I, I never, I just think that kind of sums up my attitude to the way that some people in the media view women and women in sport, and particularly the egregious example of John Inverdell, who I never like. But, I wonder if he was the one who asked, I can't remember who the tennis player was, but he asked her to give the crowd a twirl. Mm, yes, that sounds very much and like you. something he would do. But uh, also recently someone asked Igor Siontek about why she didn't wear any makeup oh. in a press conference. And Catherine was, was talking about it on the podcast, and she was like, that was the one bad question in the press conference. And apparently Iga handled it really well, and she just said, um, 
I think she just reflected it really well and, and just kind of gave an answer that basically said, why are you asking me, why are you asking me that question kind of thing? Um, but it was just very odd how the focus is on like, oh, other women are, wear loads more makeup and have loads more fun out, outside off the court. Why don't you, you know, just because she's quieter and happens to not wear much makeup. She should have uh, shoved a tennis racket up his ass. Yeah. I can't remember what exactly she said. It was somewhere on, it'll be somewhere on the Twitter. But yeah, that was, that was very recently. I think that was after she won the French Open this year. Yeah. There's such a sense of entitlement to the personal lives of these Mm. professionals and journalists feel completely comfortable talking about their underwear, talking about smiling, talking about Mm. makeup. Yeah. Um, there's um, the two things I remember like standing out are um, Simona Halep she um, was always focused on because she has very large breasts mm. and she actually got a breast reduction surgery to make playing oh, I remember easier actually. that was ages ago yeah you've just brought it back into my head so yeah she's one of my favourite players um, and she only just played on centre court yesterday, and she's the former Wimbledon champion. Again, ske- scheduling nightmare is a often a topic of contention uh, where they put people and and how the big names are always put on centre court no matter what, um, because that's the most expensive and most prestigious court, and of course only certain people get to play there. Um, but yeah, really, it does defy belief that Halep has only just played on centre, considering she won in 2019. Yeah. Again, again, yeah. it just it speaks it speaks to the culture of of the people doing it. Because I'm of the opinion that there is always a an answer that is mutually beneficial for everyone. The so, for example, the the disabled toilets. There's a simple answer of going, all everyone who comes in here, we need to make it tennis is for everyone. This new era of tennis, we're going to make Wimbledon the most progressive tournament ever, and we can have all of the toilets. Every single toilet is thought of as equal, rather than mm. thinking you do the normal toilets, the, the the normal toilets, yeah, and you do the disabled toilets. Um. And thinking, yeah, just that's where it comes it's to adults like, in the room rather than it's like they were saying, it's like they were saying, oh, disabled people won't need to use the toilets at this time of day, they'll only turn up at whatever time of day we decide to clean them or whatever. Jesus. I don't know, it just it just struck me as odd, yeah. Oh, I just remember, I just remember there being. The focus on, I imagine that she got a lot of questions about breast reduction. I think, mm, why are you I'm talking sure. about my breasts? Yeah. Yeah. i completely forgotten that it happened. I will have to check it, actually, because it's fallen out of my brain. But, uh, yeah. And then there's also um, a, a phenomenon which I think has improved but hasn't entirely gone away is the sexualization of the young female tennis players mm. 
So there's so the most recent example is Emma Raducanu, yeah. and she was only turned eighteen, I think, last year. Yes, yeah, still very young. And she was seventeen when she won. What grand slam did she win? USA, USA, yeah. yeah. And there's that. So there's the point where if they're under the age of eighteen, it's illegal to sexualize them. But then there's the second that they turn eighteen. All of a sudden, that part of the conversation comes in. Yeah. On the plus side, I think it is f- it is seen as far less acceptable. That's not as mainstream. Yeah. Whereas twenty years ago, um, that was that was the point. So take um, Britney Spears yeah. and Billie Eilish. Mm. The way that Britney Spears has been treated, and she was just sexualized completely horrifyingly yeah. all over the world and that's completely different with Billie Eilish they have a lot more personal agency um yeah have you seen anything is Emma, Emma Raducanu's out of this tournament now isn't she she is she went out in the let me check second round uh where did she go she it's taking me this long to find her. That's not good to say. Mm-hmm. I bet that yeah, she, she went has. Out pretty early. Mm. Yes, sir. Go. I bet that she has close to a hundred million pounds now. I expect so. All of her money, most of actually, probably more of her money this last year has come from sponsors. Oh, that's yeah. That's the thing. Got, as a result of winning the US Open. Which is fine, and she wants to do that, and that's fine. But I think a lot of people are worried about how vulnerable that makes her and the platform that, or at least the exposure that she's getting and at such a young age and so quickly. Um, And I know that she's already had a lot of issues around a stalker that she's had Mm. to deal with, which wasn't very nice to read about at all. Um. And I'm sure that that is something that's really impacted on her mentally. Like, and then I think she has spoken about being anxious to go about her life normally now as a result, which is pretty awful. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a death. I think it, there's a balance to be struck between how much publicity you allow yourself to be a part of and how much he choose to not be a part of. Um, but there's, there's no question that she's earning an awful lot of money from sponsors. Yeah. I think that I think from my impression is that she's got a very good team around her. Who, very much. And now, so, so like 20 years ago, it would have been completely acceptable for yeah. Playboy to instantly say, to be in talks with yeah. her people. I think um, she, there's an awareness there now that that she is incredibly vulnerable and exposed to these sorts of things and that there is a need to protect her from that side of things as well. I think that's yeah, definitely I hope, clear. Yeah, I hope that... Because um, people like John McEnroe and people commenting on her... Those are the people you need strong people around you to say that doesn't matter, that doesn't matter, 
that doesn't matter. Yeah. Again, the adults in the room who care about her, not about all of the money. Yeah. That she and made. I also think she's very mature for the, for her age, and she's expressed that in the way that she speaks and the way that she views her game and her career. And I hope that she continues with that maturity and that level of awareness. Um, and I'm pleased for her. But yeah, I just hope, I think people expect so much of her now because she's gone and won a Grand Slam from qualifying, which no one has ever done in the men's or women's game, ever, really. Um, so it's a completely new thing. Um, but it's going to take time for her to get used to the tour. And she needs that time and she needs people to get off her back. And I think that that's the only fair thing now for her is to just let her have that time. Yeah, I, I to my uh, detriment, I um, what was I finding? Like looking um, for examples of. Um, I think I was googling. Um, however, I arrived at it. Um, an article from Daily Star where the title is "Tennis Star Eugenie Bouchard Wears Tiny Bikini on Beach After Skipping Wimbledon." Yeah, I'm thinking that you think that that's just the Daily Star. Come on, that feels yeah. like they're just scraping the barrel there, really, aren't they? Also, weirdly enough, I'd forgotten Ginny Bouchard existed until she announced that she wasn't playing Wimbledon. I thought she'd retired years ago because I just hadn't seen her play. Uh, I think she's dropped down the rankings quite a bit, but she was heralded as the next big thing quite a few years ago uh, from Canada. She was, very, again, another young, attractive, um, model-esque type player, if, you, if I will use that term, that <laughs> um, everyone was very, very much focusing their attention on. Um, but she's dropped off the radar for the last couple of years, certainly in my experience of watching tennis and then when she put out a statement saying she wasn't going to play I was like oh she's still playing I didn't know but yeah to focus in on wearing a tiny bikini on a beach like yes that's part of life what is new we don't do we need to know about it do we care do we need why do we need to care about that I don't know uh Hopefully it's getting a little frustrating, bit frustrating, but yes. Uh, but it is the Daily Star, so. Yeah. Yeah. What do we expect? Fun, fun fact, about 75% of British print media is owned by billionaires. Mm, which, again, says a lot, I think. I don't know if that much, but yeah. I shouldn't yeah, it's, really. yeah, it's just the, yes, yeah, just, just don't read them. Look for primary yeah. sources and uh, it's I I enjoy looking at the way things are written as much as what they're writing about. Yeah. For example, yeah. the Telegraph is always the the their their conclusion to everything is we should be redistributing wealth from normal people into the pockets of mm. corporations and the powerful. And it's so interesting always looking at their their headlines and then the tagline, and you go. Oh yeah, I see. I see the the framing that you're doing very mm. well done. Yeah, <sighs> bastards. It's always fun. Uh, yeah, um, I've gone through everything on my list. 
is there okay. anything else um, we haven't talked about? I think I think I covered pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. Definitely scheduling. And the way they focus on women's smiles quite a lot. That was definitely a point I wanted to make. Um, until other things happen, which I'm sure they will before the end of this week, uh, I think I've exhausted everything I want to say, and I think we've covered an awful lot of ground. So well done to us, because it's a big topic, and there's plenty of avenues you could go down. Hmm. Yeah, this has been uh, awesome and fascinating and cool, and um, I'll oh. have to go and watch some more Wimbledon now. Oh. Um uh, all of that, uh, we have been gaming the system. Thank you, everyone, so much for watching or listening. We have been uh, looking at our podcast um, statistics um, in the last few days, and we have people listening. We hear, we know, we know where you are. We know uh, we we can find out where um, the countries are, and we've got people from forty six countries listening, That's which fantastic. is awesome, showing it's that amazing. there are. Uh, Gaming. gaming feminists um, of the world unite and um, we'd love to hear from you and what you think the best way to do that is to um, comment um, on the app where you get your podcasts um, and or if you're watching you can um, type a comment as well yeah. um, not only does that let us know what you think um, it help, it lets us um, know what you want to see what you care about um and yeah until next time every thursday you'll find something from us um bye bye <laughs> we hope you enjoyed that episode of gaming system if you want to support us you can donate to us through our paypal by sending it to wearegamingthesystem at gmail.com if you want to send us a one-off donation. If you want to donate to us monthly, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamingthesystem. Until next time, bye-bye.